Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. We were all horrified by what happened in Manchester a few nights ago, and I'm just thinking about what I what I saw and what we heard and the emotions we felt. It was such a horrific experience with dead children and the specter of urban and suburban terrorism in an environment where terrorists fit seamlessly into the community they're assaulting, because that's where they live, and that's what happened in Manchester. The Manchester attack, carried out by a 22-year-old Salman Abedi, who was born in the UK, and who, according to the New York Times, was under the influence of a former extremist Ottawa imam, Abdul Basir Gowela, whose own 22-year-old son died fighting for a terrorist organization in Libya. Now, we're going to talk about this, and we'll take some calls from you as we uh, as we go through the hour. But there's something else, and I've been tweeting about it, I'm going to play back for you, and it troubles me, and that is that our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, as far back as 2015, was saying at a, uh, a meeting uh, that he was attending in, in Winnipeg that he would be sure to make sure that convicted terrorists, and he used the term convicted terrorists, who were dual citizens who would not have their Canadian citizenship rescinded, which under Bill C-24, the Harper government's legislation, was in fact the prerogative of Parliament or the Justice Minister. And uh, Amaria Zakaria, uh, Amara Zakaria, or Zakaria Amara, who was the uh, head of the Toronto 18, who were planning to explode a truck bomb in downtown Toronto and create mass mayhem and murder, this individual, Zakaria Amara, is having his Canadian citizenship returned because Mr. Trudeau and his Bill C-6 legislation is making that possible. Mr. Uh, Amara, by the way, was not planning on remaining in Canada after his terrorist act. He was planning to head to Afghanistan. Mr. Trudeau said, and I'm going to play back the audio for you before the uh, end of the hour, the Liberal Party believes that terrorists should get to keep their Canadian citizenship because I do, and I'm willing to take on anyone who disagrees with that. So that's something that we need to talk about. But on the greater issue, the fundamental issue of terrorism and terrorism moving more in a more pronounced way, it seems, in urban and suburban realities. Dr. Christian Luprecht joins us on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network, Queen's University and Royal Military College professor, international terrorism expert, international affairs expert, Christian, thank you so much for the time. So here we are a few days after the horror at Manchester. Is urban and suburban terrorism an increasing threat? Well, I mean, uh, over the last 18 months or so in France, for instance, almost 300 people have lost their lives to terrorism and various acts of terrorism. And so 
you can understand why people in at least some continent European countries are a little bit on edge about this phenomenon. Take into account also the shift from hard targets to soft targets, whether that's July 14 parade or Christmas market or this sort of concert, and the ability of very few individuals to be able to have this sort of an impact with a device that was as professionally built as this, deployed in as timely a fashion and deployed in as heinous a location to cause absolutely maximum impact. And this is, I think, part of the reason why initially the British Prime Minister uh, raised the threat level from severe to critical, because it has been, I would say, this does present a bit of a paradigm shift uh, in the trend level that we've seen with regards to terrorism in Western countries. Mm -hmm. The terrorists, in this case, certainly in Manchester, an individual who lived in the community where he exploded the device and where it now appears he had a network of supporters, a network of people who assisted him in this in this horrible act. So this is why I'm asking is is, is the, the fact of urban and suburban terrorism with individuals who actually live in the communities and fit into the communities and don't necessarily generate a second or third glance, is that something that has to be looked out for more and more? I mean, these are pretty much the attacks and the nature of the attacks that we've seen. And this is really not an ISIS strategy. It goes back to Al-Qaeda, where uh, Al-Qaeda encouraged people to and inspire magazine and by its other media to think globally, act locally. And that's what we've seen with the individuals that have perpetrated the recent series of attacks. But the assumption was that uh, the impact of these sorts of uh, um, efforts would be limited that we would be dealing with uh, lone wolf or so-called lone wolf terrorists. They're never exactly lone wolves because there's always some people who harbored them or had some sympathies for what they might be doing. But nonetheless, that these would be sort of smaller attacks. But we've seen um, that in Nice, in Berlin, in Manchester, that even individuals by themselves can cause significant carnage, but that put that then together with a sympathetic uh, network of people who have expertise in bomb making, in bomb packaging, in getting a professional quality detonator, as was the case here, um, and then being able to package that bomb with shrapnel in a way to cause uh, maximum harm. And uh, this is a deeply troubling phenomenon. Terrorists will always want to raise the fear level. And uh, yesterday, I heard that the uh, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Defense in the United States tell the hosts on Fox News, if you knew what I know about terrorism, you wouldn't want to leave your home in the morning. What is he talking about? You know, if every time I had, if I had a dime for every time some intelligence person told me that, you know, if you only knew what I knew, then this or that, then I'd be a rich man. So I, I, I'm a little bit always skeptical when sort of, especially folks from the intelligence community come out and kind of trot out that they know so much more than the rest of us. If they knew so much more, then we wouldn't be seeing, for instance, the sort of attacks that we had in Manchester uh, materialize. That is not to say that intelligence officials don't do a very diligent job and that they have a very tough job to do with very limited resources in the target-rich environment. 
but I also think that sort of discourse ultimately doesn't particularly help because if we stoke fear, and, uh, then that plays into sort of exactly the psychology uh, of terrorism that you alluded to and that ultimately we need to remember that these do remain isolated incidents. Yes, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a major loss of life, but it was the first time in 10 years in the United Kingdom that we have had that sort of a security and intelligence failure. And so, you know, just like we live with other risks in life, this is, I think, just a phenomenon, the risk that we're going to have to live with. And every now and then uh, an incident is going to occur. But that by and large, I think we've done, on the one hand, a reasonable good job at identifying individuals at risk reasonably early so that they can either be convicted or that other services can uh, try to disengage them from their sympathies um, so that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure to what extent that sort of discourse uh, is particularly helpful, nor am I sure that it actually reflects uh, the reality of the ability of people who sympathize with violence, A, actually to follow through with trying to engage in violence, and then subsequently actually being able to realize those plans, let alone just devastating effect as we saw in Manchester. All right. Please hold on, Christian. We'll come back with Dr. Christian Luprecht from Queen's University and the Royal Military College, international expert on terrorism, international affairs. Stay with us on Green Show on the Corus Radio Network. You listen to Green. Green. You might turn red. red. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Christian Liprecht is with me from Queen's University and from the Royal Military College on the issue of uh, terrorism. Christian, two more questions for you. Are politicians responding effectively to these horrific attacks like Manchester? It seems like we hear them say fundamentally the same things. We'll stand together. We'll stay together. We'll be strong. We will not be intimidated. We won't lose our uh, freedoms and our democratic way of life. And then another attack happens, and people start to ask, well, what are they doing? They're talking, but what are they doing? Is that a fair criticism? Well, I mean, these are all people who want to get reelected, and that's every politician's top priority, and so they will say ultimately what's going to play into that priority for them. But I, I'm, I think politicians have not done a good job, not in, just in the current context, in general, at conveying to the public the tasks that law enforcement and intelligence services carry out and how they carry out those tasks. I think one of the challenges is that most people get their impression of how security, intelligence, law enforcement operate from their evening television and from the television series that they watch on Netflix. And if you watch those series and you count, you will see that in a matter of minutes you have multiple legal and constitutional violations. And so the public is very skeptical about law enforcement intelligence operations, especially in this particular arena. And so I think politicians have a much greater obligation to explain to them, on the one hand, the difficult tasks that law enforcement and intelligence carry out, and on the other hand, that uh, what happens in real life has nothing to do with what people see on television that I think we need to have a bit more confidence um, and ensure that we have the appropriate toolkits to, uh, so that the people who are tasked with keeping us safe actually have the ability to do so in terms of getting the necessary warrants 
um, and being able to impose peace bonds and whatnot on those individuals who are known to be at a high risk, but where perhaps we don't have quite enough evidence uh, to arraign them, arrest them, and uh, have a reasonable prospect of obtaining a conviction. Now, it wasn't very helpful for the mayor of London and the UK to essentially say, well, if you live in a, in a major urban area, this is just something you're going to have to learn to live with. And I didn't hear too many Western politicians, be it mayors, premiers, prime ministers, presidents, take them to task. And there's always trade-offs, right? So uh, security is uh, compared to an insurance premium. It depends what sort of premium we want to pay. How much money are we prepared to invest? And how much are we also prepared to invest in terms of ensuring that we have appropriate uh, legal toolkits on the one hand to, uh, to detect and intervene early with individuals that may pose a risk? And on the other hand, to what extent do we want to say that we're going to cherish uh, privacy at any and all cost. And I think um, what that sort of defeatist attitude to me signals is that we're, um, that this is an individual who's not prepared to engage in the necessary democratic conversation about how best to ensure not just to balance uh, freedom and security, but I think this is ultimately not a dichotomy, but rather complementarity, and that we need to have an ongoing conversation in the public and in particular at the political level of how to ensure that these things do not happen. Can we ever provide 100% protection? No, but I don't think a defeatist attitude that this is just something we're going to we have to resign ourselves to uh, and live with is, uh, is, to me, an appropriate reaction to this sort of carnage. So well said. Thank you, Christian. Always good talking to you. I appreciate the time today. My pleasure. Thank Bye-bye. You. Dr. Christian Luprecht from Queen's University and the Royal Military College. And then we have our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who objected tremendously to the Harper government's Bill C-24, which allowed the uh, Justice Minister to rescind Canadian citizenship from a dual citizen if that dual citizen was involved in treason if that dual citizen was convicted of a terrorism um, act, or if that individual was engaged in a military action against Canada and Canadian forces. Mr. Trudeau really didn't like the idea of a convicted terrorist in Canada losing Canadian citizenship. It troubles him tremendously. And so he is, Mr. Trudeau, our prime minister, through his Bill C-6, making sure that Zachariah Amara is having his Canadian citizenship returned. Mr. Amara, of course, was the leader of the Toronto 18, whose objective it was to explode a truck bomb in downtown Toronto and create murder and mayhem. And Mr. Amara's objective was to not stay in Canada but leave for Afghanistan, so the Canadian citizenship didn't mean very much to Mr. Amara in the first place. Have a listen to Justin Trudeau explaining in 2015 why he feels so strongly that convicted terrorists should not have their citizenship removed. And listen to the nervous laughter of the people around him. My question is about C-24, the amendments to the Citizenship Act. Uh, since 1947, when the Mackenzie King government passed our first Citizenship Act, there was a promise to new Canadians that they could be full citizens. And it's been taken away in this. The idea of actually removing citizens and deporting somebody who might have been born here, but 
happens to hold dual citizenship is absolutely disgusting. Yep. Oh, what Thank are your you. views on it? Yes, yes. Uh, C24, uh, <laughs> it's the bill that, for me, exemplifies the conservatives' approach to politics. Because what they get to say with the Liberal Party's staunch opposition to C24, because we absolutely and thoroughly impose it, is that, and I'll give you the quote, so you guys can jot it down and put it in a, a tack ad somewhere, that the, the Liberal Party believes that terrorists should get to keep their Canadian citizenship. Because I do. And I'm willing to take on anyone who disagrees with that. Did you hear that? This is our Canadian Prime Minister, the one with the funny socks. 2015. The Liberal Party believes that terrorists should get to keep their Canadian citizenship because I do, as in Justin Trudeau does. The Liberal Party believes it because I believe it, and I'm the boss. And I'm willing to take on anyone who disagrees with that. Okay, Mr. Trudeau, 1-800-263-2428. You said you would take on anyone. Why don't you call in? Take me on and take on my callers. Since you said you would, this is so infuriating, to me anyway, that you would take on anyone. The Liberal Party believes that terrorists should get to keep their Canadian citizenship because I do and I'm willing to take on anyone who disagrees with that. Think about Manchester. Think about what an exploding truck bomb in downtown Toronto would have done. And Trudeau would have said, if, uh, if, if Amara's plan had come to fruition, and people had been blown to smithereens, and families destroyed, and lives destroyed, and lives stolen, and families torn apart, Trudeau would have said, no, we're not going to take away his citizenship. He has his Canadian citizenship, and he's entitled to it. Because I believe that. That's what he would have said. Now, we have jails, we have prisons, we have laws. We'll put him in our prisons. We'll keep him in our prisons. We will not deport him. We will not take away his Canadian citizenship. You can take away his citizenship, Mr. Prime Minister, and put him in a Canadian prison. Because that's what happened to him. But oh no, you're going to give back Canadian citizenship to Amara and to any terrorist who happens to be a dual citizen. Any terrorist who happens to be a dual citizen doesn't have to worry about losing Canadian citizenship. How do you feel about that? You, at 1-800-263-2428. What do you want to say to the Prime Minister? 1-800-263-2428.